Welcome to a royal edition of the Hallam Paul Football Log, a right royal edition. And we've got so much to discuss today. I welcome, of course, my partner in crime, Mr. Paul Staveley. Well, hello there, sir, and happy Royal Wedding Day to you. <laughs> it's uh, hopefully going to be one of those memorable days, a bit like 1981, where uh, people always said, where were you when Paul Stavely was born? <laughs> well, I was not born in 1981, for a start. <laughs> Don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. No, of course, why would I do such a thing? No, indeed, yeah, everybody wanted to know where they were uh, while I was being uh, conceived, and, and I'm sure that's something we all want to think about. <laughs> no. But for... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's all over the TV. I've I've pulled myself away, so to speak, uh, from the. Uh, Not you like know, you in front of the telly. Well, no, exactly. Um, from watching David Beckham and trying to work out whether he's got his OBE on the wrong side or not. I don't know if you saw that. Yes. There's been quite a lot of uh, controversy already about that. And also Tyra Palmer Tonkinson's hat, which looks like a comma. Yeah, it looks either like. Um, I don't mean, It must be very difficult to wear. It looks a bit like a hat. Uh, I think they call it a, a trendic or something. Um, right. Uh, or a spaceship. I can't really tell which of the two, but I think it's, it's more likely a spaceship. But what, what's happened with her natal septum? What, with Tara Palmer Tompkins? Yeah. Well, I can't comment on that, not being a medical man. Uh, I'm not really familiar with it. I know she had some trouble with the... Uh, same as Daniela Westbrook with the yeah. old uh, uh, cocaine insertion there. Well, there we but, are, um, alle- allegedly, on the Helen Paul football log. It's not alleged. We saw the pictures. It's all true. Okay. I've, I've done I've done cocaine with Tara Palmer Tompkins, and she's a, she's a mess. But so, let's you know, not... Let's not go into the list of things you've done with Tara Palmer Tomkinson. You're no, going to get married a good next point, year. Actually. Uh, we yeah, need okay. to talk about the <laughs> Champions League. I thought that's the best place to start because you are the expert in all things German football. So you decided, rather intelligently, not to watch Schalke against yes, Man United. I did. And, uh, well, no, it wasn't that I didn't... It's not that I chose not to watch it. I couldn't watch it. Um, we were otherwise engaged and I wasn't able to get a get a decent stream of the game so um, that was the problem but I heard I mean people were saying on the Facebook page that it was the most one-sided semi-final uh, or one-sided European match they'd seen for a lot of years and uh, I'd sort of questioned that on the Facebook page because obviously the score being 2-0 didn't suggest a- as much dominance as people were saying but judging by uh, everything I've heard and seen since uh, it's all down to Manuel Neuer who um, yeah. made a-, a number of very very impressive saves and, and really kept the Germans in the tie if if they are even still in the tie. Well, we'll talk about that in a moment. You've mentioned Neuer. Uh, who will he sign for? Well, I mean, a lot of people were talking about Manchester United even before this game. I mean, there's a lot of people seem to think that Neuer has just been discovered in the same way that we always joke about Messi being one for the future. Yes. Uh, people seem to think that Neuer didn't exist before this game and that he must be signing for Manchester United. But he said that. Um, Man United haven't made an offer that wasn't an option for him but Raphael Honigstein our friend who also does other podcasting work uh, was saying on another rival podcast he said as if they're actually a rival (laughs) um, that he said that uh, in an interview post-match that Man United were never an option for me in, in implying that he's already made a decision uh, where to go and people are saying that it might well be Bayern Munich I've heard um, on a number of sources that Bayern Munich have not yet discussed terms with Neuer and that it is a rumour going around Germany like wildfire that it's 99.9% secure that he's going to Bayern Munich. This right. isn't the case. Uh, okay. he, may, he may well go to Bayern and there are rumours then that there'd be a bit of a trade uh, with the current Bayern keeper then going to, to Schalke. Um, and uh, it would be quite interesting to see that happen. But you, you, you mentioned there that, yeah, up-and-coming keeper, not many people seem to know about him before this game, where, of course, the more educated uh, football fan has known about Neuer for a long time. There are some other top young keepers I thought we could mention in the same breath. I'll uh, sort of throw some at you, and if you've got any you'd like to add, um, please well, I think, do. I um, think you'll probably know more than I will. Can I, I guess one of the ones you're going to say? Yeah, sure. You're going to say David De Gea? 
I, well, I was, but um, I think the thing I, I was probably going to say De Gea, but uh, yeah, probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's uh, well, your Spanish is much better than mine. Well, I don't actually know that that's the correct pronunciation because you do hear one or two different uh, sort of pronunciations of him, particularly on Sky when they ever they have a different commentator. <laughs> yeah, I bet of, of an Atletico Madrid game, he goes through a number of different surnames. But he, he may well be the Manchester United keeper that, that a lot of people are talking about. He would certainly be a fantastic target when uh, the Vida lid keeper, uh, whose name just temporarily escapes me, uh, went to Atletico Madrid uh, last season. He was heralded as their number one, their replacement for uh, sort of Leo Franco of the past. Uh, but anyway, this youngster, De Gea, pops up from nowhere and has retained the number one jersey. And it's been a real uh, real surprise and well done to him. But the other, the other young keepers I was going to mention were uh, Igor Akinfeev of uh, CSK Moscow. Are you familiar with his work? I've heard his name uh, bandied around. I'm not as familiar with his work as I'd like to be, but I've definitely heard the name mentioned. Well, remember the name. I, I do think he'll make a move to Europe next season. There is no chance be... of me remembering his name. Well, no, he will be a keeper, I think, for the future. I mean, I look at him... As uh, a thing I want to talk about later with Newcastle, but I look at him as a as a Steve Harper replacement. Oh right, okay. It depends if you are confident enough in uh, in Krull or Foster. Well, there's a lot of talk about Foster coming back next season to be our number one if Harper's going to retire because he's obviously uh, been plagued a little bit by injury this season and he's not as young as he was. And um, yeah, Foster's but don't you think the new... fact that he hasn't played for the previous ten years means it doesn't really matter how old he is? He's got time <laughs> well, to that's make true. up. That's true. I feel bad for him, really. He's been waiting all this time to be number one for a Premier League season, and um, and now he's finally able to do it. And he and he's a good keeper too. I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't. Uh, I don't think he's as good as Shea Given was at his best, but he's an excellent goalkeeper, and and certainly um, the best one we currently have at the club. But I think it's probably time for him to call uh, time on a career, which has seen him wasted, really, in a lot of ways, but uh, very much rewarded in respect from the fans for the loyalty he's shown to us, I think. Yeah, he, he said uh, publicly that you know, this is his team, it's his city, why would he want to leave? But I do think, heart of hearts, he may well look back on his career and say he could have been a legend, uh, maybe a slightly lower club, uh, for, for years. He could have been absolutely, and possibly could have even won caps. But that's, that's something for Steve to know, and for only him to know. Uh, yep, we've also got um, Alex Smithies, the Huddersfield goalkeeper, as a, as a top young keeper, I think, one to watch and definitely be a Premier League standard. The fact that Huddersfield will be playing a Championship football next season, uh, we all say, uh, means that he will get a shot window that I think could lead to eventually Everton. Okay. okay. I'm just throwing these out there, but these are the, the sort of clubs I think these players could end up at. I think yeah. they've got that kind of blueprint. Uh, also, Diego Alves. Now, he will definitely leave Almeria, who are having a dreadful season in La Liga, uh, definitely go. Uh, th- th- he's a Brazilian keeper. Absolutely fantastic. Almeria have some some good players uh, like Piatti, but but he is their best player without a shadow of a doubt. He will they go. They've a rough old season, haven't they? Yeah. So um, it's interesting when when it's interesting when you've got a goalkeeper who's that kind of highly rated, but playing in a team who are. Effective. Well, they are relegated, I think, aren't they, Almeria now? They, they have conceded a lot of goals as well, so it doesn't look good. What's this idiot's talking about? But you need to see the guy in action. It's a bit... well, no, I think I think everybody's familiar with that. I mean, you know, I mean, for a long time, England's number one was Robert Green, and he's been shipping goals for West Ham at a fairly alarming rate. And it does it does happen, doesn't it? Do you remember Matt Clark at Bradford? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was touted as England quality because he had so much to do. Yes, indeed, yeah. And that's the same maybe with Diego Alves, obviously not England. But uh, yeah, Brazil... Possibly the Brazilian keeper of the future, you know, Dida, Rogério Ceni, they've all been in there in between the sticks. But uh, Diego Alves, I think, is is a massive shout, and uh, I'll look forward to seeing him ply his trade somewhere else in Europe. I don't think he's going to stay in Spain, but we'll wait and see. Very interesting, very interesting stuff. I mean, goalkeepers of the world is sort of a difficult thing to, unless you do know your way around football the way that you do and the way that I very clearly do not. <laughs> uh, it's not always a position that gets a lot of. Um, 
press, is it? You know, you, you get you often see these up and coming midfielders or defenders or attackers in in magazines or uh, podcasts or football shows, but they very rarely focus on you know young keepers coming through. So it's not something that you can. It must be a hard market to shop in, I think. Yeah, particularly when people talk about the great Brazil team of nineteen seventy, they very rarely focus on the goalkeeper. No, who is actually named after a famous cat food? Um, Felix. A lot of people, yeah, Felix. A lot of people don't know that, but um, and people often say that he was. Uh, you know the weak link in that team but actually their defensive record was not at all unimpressive Um, and uh, they won the World Cup so you know he can't have been that terrible I think. Now we said we'd come back to to Schalke now do you believe that they can beat Manchester United? Well I I had I had said on Twitter that I thought um, after my amazing Millwall position last week I'd said that I could see Man United uh, making big mistakes and and, and, and throwing it all away the way they have done I talked to um, Raphael about it uh, on the last pod the way they have thrown it away in the past uh, against teams but they certainly seem to be uh, in the driving seat after Tuesday's match so I I would say I I can't really see Schalke turning it around although I still like to see Raul score just because um, he always seems to against Manchester United but uh, I can't see them throwing it away now. Let's talk about goal scorers. Uh, Wayne Rooney has scored 12 goals in 21 appearances this calendar year. That deserves a round of applause. It does. You know, I realised the other day that my round of applause that I did didn't come through on the pod at all, so it did sound like one man clapping. One man I was clapping along with you. Nothing sadder. It did just there as well. But uh, yeah, Wayne, it's a great little return for him because he hadn't started uh, sort of the end of the end of last year and the beginning of this season too cleverly he was playing a little bit out of the sort of left wing at some stages drifting into the center now he says i've heard him quoted he's found his favorite position well i think he had a, a bit of a difficult year last year insofar as after the bayern munich quarter final in the in the sorry not the world cup the champions league um he was injured and stayed you know wasn't really fully fit then went to the world cup and had a fairly torrid time as well as the rest of the uh, england team uh, then there was obviously the shouting at the camera about being booed by your own fans, which didn't win him many friends. Then there was the whole contract saga, um, discussions about whether he was still injured or whatever the hell was going on there. And it seems that you know that that calendar year overall didn't treat him terribly well. Certainly the last six months of it. But uh, yeah, ever since I mean he started to perform better uh, as the year sort of turned round, and and then. Um, obviously the hat-trick against West Ham despite the media furor that followed it was really a sort of goal-scoring turning point I think for him and, and he's been he's been looking you know looking the part very much ever since then so hopefully he's uh, back to fitness and, and with a summer free behind him he might um, start next season in a bit more explosive form you never know. There's some sort of off the field nonsense that uh, Rooney was tweeting about yesterday did you see anything with the with Scotland Yard and all that? No, I I have been following him on Twitter since he arrived, but I I wasn't really on it much yesterday. What was he saying? Oh, it's not a great. I mean, the thing we're, we're a football log, aren't we? We are, and a mu- and an occasional Beatles log, apparently. Well, a, occasional Beatles log. I mean, there's a few things. Hey, if we were going to get started on that, then there's something we can't talk about as well. Yeah, yeah. you know that thing with the super injunction that we can't talk about. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, we, we can't. Can. Well, we can't talk about that. And I'd, I'd no, prepared, it's a shame. Well, I prepared quite a lot to talk about that, but we can't talk about that. So if we can't talk about that, I don't think we should talk about Wayne's Z. I think we should stick just to football today because the day of the Royal, Royal Wedding is also the day just after the, the Champions League. And, and there's so much to cover with Barca Real. I don't know about you, Mr. Staveley. It was, it was tense. It was ugly. There's so much to cover. I think we need a sting break. We're going to dust ourselves down. You're definitely going to have to towel yourself off after what happened in front of the television. And uh, <laughs> then we will discuss, we'll get into the meat of the bones and talk about Real Madrid against Barcelona. Hi, yeah, I'm Craig Ignit and you're listening to the Hall and Paul Football Log. 
Welcome back to the Hal and Paul football log. Hal and Paul talking about football. And we log it. More like, you know, we just make a record of it. That's where that comes for, uh, from. It's, it's nothing to do with poo. Now, uh, smooth, Real Madrid... Smooth. Sorry? Smooth. Smooth, thank impressed. you. I thought we, we, we covered that well. Um, Real Madrid played Barcelona. Now, you watched that game, thankfully. I, I did. <laughs> what did you make of it? I thought it was fairly awful, um, as did many punditries and uh, commentators across the world. But uh, at the end of the day, it, it was it was the sort of thing that you were kind of you almost expect from uh, a Clasico in a way because it still gave us a lot to talk about. And somebody had said on Twitter actually, in in quite a sort of um, interesting way, if you'd told me before the game that there'd be three sendings off, including two people who weren't on the field, uh, one of the best goals we'd seen in a Spanish game or any game actually for a very long time. Um, a 2-0 win and all this other stuff uh, and then been telling me how awful the game was I don't think I would have believed it yeah you just said it was a ding-dong derby but you you mentioned at the start there well you sort of implied El Clasico it's a derby every other derby in the world is blood and thunder almost except this one this one has been known for yes it's got the odd sending off but you know that's only for Real Madrid Uh, but it's normally about great football we normally after El Clasico talk about the football unfortunately on this occasion talking about the treatment of uh, the referee in my opinion well yeah i mean after the after the 5-0 back in november everybody was saying that it was one of the most complete footballing performances they'd ever seen from a team and um, you'd have to go along with that. I mean, it was it was a wonderful uh, it was a wonderful match. But of course, it was only wonderful for Barcelona. Whereas uh, Real Madrid, I think, will not have enjoyed it quite so much. And a lot of people have talked about how Mourinho has learned since then. And I've mentioned it in the Copa del Rey and the uh, one-all draw in the league that was the, uh, was the other two clasicos. And they managed to contain Barcelona relatively well without resorting to the sort of things we saw um, on Wednesday night. And I don't know whether that's to do with um, Guardiola telling the players to go out and play them at their own game, or um, or whether it's just Mourinho's cracked a little bit and decided to, um, you know, end up with uh, Barcelona players in hospital or, or whatever the deal is. But it was it was a bad tempered game, and, and like you say, the treatment of the referee from all both sides actually. I mean, I, you know, I'm tempted to. Uh, implicate Madrid in this, but actually, it would be unfair not to say how um, rude Barcelona were. Well, on I'll, several occasions, I've, I've got opinions that Barcelona were the main instigators, but we'll get to that in a second because the referee. Uh, you might have heard that Andy Townsend was mistaken for the referee. It was Wolfgang Stark, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Was mistaken for that referee after the game in a restaurant in Madrid by some Real Madrid fans who wanted to attack him. Uh, if it doesn't get any worse being Andy Townsend until you hear about that I suppose on the day of the royal wedding I should just ask with Andy in my mind who's going to watch the wedding on ITV you know Andy Townsend analysing the dress um, yeah and I'm sure he'd be saying very interesting things like well she's walked down the aisle there um, (laughs) and she's you know basically put one foot in front of the other and that's something that she's you know learned from a lot of years of experience at this level his, his uh, analysis isn't great. Maybe they didn't mistake him for the referee. Maybe they knew he was Andy Townsend. Yeah. I bet it's every uh, princess's dream to hear the royal wedding, sponsored by E.ON. So it's it's a choice, isn't it? It's a toss-up today, BBC or ITV, for your royal wedding coverage. But uh, if we just get back to uh, Real Madrid-Barcelona, I've got a theory here, Paul. I want to know what you think. You might think this is a bit strong. I think after that game, well, my first initial thoughts were they should both be thrown out of Europe for a year. Wow, that is strong. Well, I'll tell you why. It was the showpiece. It was what the world was watching. Yeah. Uh, it was an example to set to not just the kids. People always mention the kids. Oh, you know, they'll watch that. They'll go and kick lumps out of their friends. They won't. But it was a. It was just a terrible advert for the beautiful game. And, and those two teams are arguably the architects of the beautiful game. But certainly at the moment, particularly Barcelona. They're the team that if you say, oh, I want to go and watch some great football, which team would you recommend? Everyone would say 
Barcelona. I mean, maybe get one or two would say uh, Wickham, but at the moment you'd probably go with Barca. And yet they didn't put on the display we were hoping for. It was a bit like Spain Holland in the in the last cup final of the uh, in the World Cup. Well, there was a lot of talk about the um, the parallels between that, and and certainly, I mean, to a certain degree, of course, Barcelona were very much stifled by Real Madrid's tactics in the same way that Spain were by Holland. And um, but yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, Barcelona didn't play the way they they can do. They didn't play um, the way we perhaps think they should play. And Real Madrid, having spent you know whatever it is, hundred million euros, two three hundred million euros on the team, went out with the sort of express intention of of parking the bus and and taking something back to the uh, the new camp. Hopefully, sneaking in away goal. That's what won it for them in the cup. You know, um, yeah. in the Copa del Rey, they went with the same tactics. You can't blame Mourinho for that. That being said, though, the, you know, there have been interesting points raised about the difference between, you know, is it anti-football to defend? And it's not anti-football. It's not great to watch. But, you know, I don't think Mourinho probably cares about that. Well, he used but to complain about a... it himself when he was manager of Chelsea. He would often say they parked the bus. Yeah, exactly. And and it's rich. It's kind of rich coming from him because, you know, like you say, he's he's not been averse to that himself. And no manager should be. If you need to get a result, you have to, you know go about getting that the best way you can and in fairness people have said well look what happened when they tried to play expansively they got beaten 5-0 but I think the Madrid fans argument would be that if you've spent that much money on a team you wouldn't be beating 5-0 if you play expansively you should be taking the game to them and and making them work for it as well and also you've got a responsibility not to kick lumps out of the other team just because you're defensive doesn't mean you have to be unpleasant with it as well, well. No, Although, I yeah. think they were they were both sort of a, a little bit guilty I mean Jose Mourinho the pressure's definitely on has he lost it? He says Barca gets special treatment from refs because they're sponsored by UNICEF. Yeah, blaming UNICEF for uh, for it all is probably going a little bit too far. He's I gone think. mad, hasn't he? I mean, he's, he's often displayed a few characteristics that have been questionable, but this surely takes it to another level. I've always found with Mourinho that when he gets on the defence, he just he starts to demonise whoever is pushing him in that corner. Well, I think he's sort of taken a leaf out of Ferguson's book, which is whenever his team don't play as well as they ought to or don't get the result they wanted, he he detracts from that with some idiotic or ridiculous comment. Now, I think he's taken it further than uh, Ferguson often does, but it wouldn't be the first time we've seen a manager come out and give some ludicrous reason for... I mean, you know, the very famous one is, of course, the grey kits um, against Southampton. But there's been a number of instances over the years of Alex Ferguson coming out and making some comment about the referee, uh, Alan Wiley, for example, being not physically fit enough to referee a game. And whatever it is, it gets us all talking about the managers and detracts from the fact that their teams weren't very good. And Maybe that's why he does it. Ferguson's been good at it and and Mourinho's good at it too because, of course, you know, everybody is talking about him now. Do you think Mourinho actually believes what he's saying or he's doing it for exactly that reason? I think I don't think he can. I don't think he can believe what he's saying. I mean, you know, Barcelona. I don't think they do get special treatment. I don't think there's any evidence to suggest they do, and I'm sure he's aware of that. But it it does work. It's a tactic that's, you know, I mean, like Gordon Strachan said repeatedly while advertising Coca-Cola uh, for ITV the other night. Although, as Adrian Charles said, other soft drinks are available. Um, he said Real Madrid will do anything to win this game. And, you know, that does extend to beyond the pitch, I think. You know, the way he behaves in press conferences, the way he behaves afterwards, he's he's got a game plan to stick to. And, and part of that is deflecting attention away from a pretty ropey team performance, to be honest. Uh, log love and shout-outs to uh, John Tequin, uh, squad number off the top of my head. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Hiya, John. Sorry we've forgotten your squad number. Uh, but he says about you, Mr. Staveley, Busquets, you were correct. Yes, I was. 
Um, I mean, even, you know, the ITV commentators were saying it was embarrassing. The Sky commentators were saying it was embarrassing in the uh, Copa del Rey final. And it is, you know, it's it's just this really sort of... And the problem is that, is that if he was playing at Real Madrid and doing that, he'd just be sort of one in a number of things we didn't like about Real Madrid. And, and, and you know, whether it be Ronaldo being a, bi- a crybaby or Pepe and his, and his bad tackling or, you know, and then Busquets and his diving. But the thing is, Barcelona do hold themselves up as a kind of paradigm of great football and sportsmanship. And, you know, the way a lot of them act, you know, Dani Alves particularly is, is one for the play acting as well. But Busquets really is um, getting on my nerves now to the point where, you know, he's, he's going down holding his face no matter what happens to him. And, and it is embarrassing. It's a little bit... You know, even Rio Ferdinand, a teammate of Nani, who, let's be honest, is not renowned for staying on his feet, uh, tweeted that, you know, if you watch it back, you've got to think, what the hell was I doing? Yeah. Um, he got a bit of dog's abuse on that for, for you know, not uh, mentioning that Nani does the same thing. But it's true, you know, Busquets is, is making a name for himself as an unpleasant character, and he's reflecting badly on the whole club in the end, I think. Speaking of dog's abuse on Twitter, Darren Gibson started up a Twitter after a bit of a push from Rio Ferdinand. Rio was then saying, hey... Get on Darren's Twitter, you know, show him some love. And within two hours, Gibson had closed his whole Twitter account after abuse from his own fans. Yeah, well, I I, I missed this whole thing because I, I wasn't. Um, it must have been the two the only two hours of the last two weeks that I haven't been on Twitter. And um, but people have been posting the tweets that people sent in. And I mean, Rio's said since that he apparently closed his account because he just couldn't be bothered with it, which is you know I don't know whether that's a bit sort of. Uh, disingenuous really because the abuse he was getting was fairly unpleasant actually I mean people were saying things like the only good thing I can say about you is that you're better than Michael Carrick which is not really a massive insult I mean I'd love to be better than Michael Carrick at football um, truth be told Uh, but you know in another way you've got to think well footballers must get abuse on Twitter I mean God knows I saw some horrible stuff written about Wayne Rooney when he started up and I'm sure it dies down because people just like to think they're hilarious and then they stop after a while. So I don't know. But uh, yeah, the fans seem to have really turned on him there. You wait till you hear the best man speech I've prepared for you if you think you've heard anything yet. Uh, Am I going to shut down the whole wedding after just a few minutes of it? I mean, you know, Darren Gibson, brilliant. You know, I think he's probably not quite good enough for Manchester United. Sets up a Twitter, says he can't be bothered with it. I think we'll draw a line under that now as well and say, well, that was just a bit of fun. But one thing we haven't drawn a line under just yet, which we will finish on over this portion, uh, will Mourinho remain at Real Madrid next season? Yeah, I think so. Um, Even though uh, Cristiano Ronaldo came out and sort of quite openly criticised the style of play after the game, um, he's also said recently, you know, he's quite close to Mourinho and everybody's sort of aware of that. And he said um, in the past, in fact, on an interview with um, Kay Murray that I've just posted on our football log uh, Facebook page, he's saying, you know, he does enjoy uh, his time there and that the coaches, you know, he's got a proven track record as Mourinho and admittedly they haven't, well, I was going to say they haven't won anything this season, but of course that's not true. They've won and destroyed the Copa del Rey. And um, they're still they're still theoretically in with a chance of the Champions League. And they've done a lot better in the Champions League than they have in previous seasons. So I think he's um, I think he will uh, probably remain for next season. You yeah. talk about his track record. Let's look at the facts in La Liga this season. Games played, 33. Games won, 25. Drawn, 5. Lost, 3. That's 80 points. Compare that with last season when Real only drew three in the entire season and lost four. So they are already on course for a worse season, despite, as you mentioned earlier, spending over £100 million. Well, that's an interesting thing, yeah, because Pellegrini got a, lot of, um, got a lot of sympathy, I think, for being fired after a season that, under any other circumstances, would have won you know, pretty much any league in Europe, I think, if, oh, if Barcelona done. hadn't been in such great form. 
And um, so that's an interesting uh, statistic. I wasn't aware of that. Well, Pellegrini has has now moved on, and he's not exactly setting the world alight. Is he is he Malaga now? Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, they've spent a lot of money and are still down there. I think the team they've beaten is Mallorca. Uh, but they're, they're still not doing that well. They've got Julio Baptiste in there and, and, the, and the likes of Buanote, um, the uh, player from uh, R- River Plate, although he's, he's back on loan. But anyway, they've got a good side. They'll probably go down and then absolutely walk uh, the second division. Um, so that's that's pretty much just concluded there with Barca Real. Because we are doing a short and concise football log, uh, due to the fact that we're recording this just before the Royal Wedding, we both fancy watching that. Um, yes. I thought we could finish on, rather than a lower league one to watch, Mr. Stavely, your thoughts perhaps on a player I said I'd come back to, although not specifically giving his name, but a player I think that could really suit Newcastle <laughs> United. Uh, this is uh, Romelu Lukaku. Ah, Romelu. Yeah. Now, this is the, the Belgian new Didier Drogba. Right. Now, I think he'll end up at Newcastle. I think he's got Newcastle written all over him because he's, he's physically very strong, massive, Good technique for a big man, which we'll never get tired of hearing, I think, if he does come over to uh, to the Premier League. Have you had a chance to see uh, Romelu in action? Uh, I must admit I have not had a chance to see him in action. Um, but uh, that's not unusual for a possible Newcastle United uh, signing. After all, one of our club legends had never heard of Hatton Ben Arfa when we got hold of him. So, you know, I'm just trying to be uh, more of a Newcastle fan than I have been previously by not watching any players that we might sign. Well, uh, you know, is any a rumour that I've created, so I wouldn't worry about that. But, but Romelu Lukaku, sort of 17 years young, Massive. And really does sort of resemble Didier Drogba. He's the one I'm picking today to close on as our uh, as our one to watch, as we used to do. Yes, indeed. Well, I mean, I'd be interested to see, you know, obviously the world, I think, needs a new Didier Drogba because the old one is getting on a little bit. Um, so if that's the case, I mean, I remember watching him play against us for Marseille in the UEFA Cup when we were uh, good for a couple of seasons. And we got to the semi-finals of the UEFA Cup and Drogba just absolutely destroyed us, really, in, 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 uh, in Marseille. So... Um, it would be uh, pretty interesting to see, um, you know, somebody who fills those boots. Certainly, it'd be interesting to see them come to Newcastle since we've lost our uh, other big man striker. Absolutely. Now, uh, obviously, Mr. Staler, we, we are running out of time. Uh, there was a few things we didn't get time for. Uh, I like putting you on the spot with these. <laughs> yeah, I really, well, I really need to, um, you know, start thinking of these a little bit better now because uh, the first ones I came up with were pretty good, and now I've, you know, as yet not. Um, but let's see what I can do, shall we? Well, is the well completely dry or do you have a little ink left in the barrel? Well, I did want to get onto one of my favourite topics, which was how magic is the magic sponge? Oh, very good. I was hoping to talk about the best foot to sit on. Oh, interesting. Six yard boxes you have known and loved. Uh, favourite sock colours. Very nice, yeah. Best third kits from the lower divisions. Well, that pretty much does us. <laughs> Excellent stuff, Mr. Stavely. Save <laughs> your others for does. next week, please. Uh, that, of course, the Hal and Paul Football Log Royal Wedding Special. Mr. Paul Stavely, thank you again for your time. Oh, thank you, Hal.